Hello and welcome to Virtual CFO Podcast, a show from Financial Goddess about all things business. Today marks the final podcast from our series, helping you to improve your business and getting your business ready for 2020. In today's podcast, we'll look at the putting the big picture together, what we have learned in the last nine episodes as well as some additional tips um, and tricks to help you make 2020 successful for your business. In our first podcast, we had a look at your business vision, goals for yourself, um, for your business and for finance. And we also looked at your business plan. So what it was when you first started the business versus where you are at today are those goals still relevant to you has anything changed in relation to business plan we had a look at your sources of funding and discussed things like business structures and making sure that what you have put in place when you first set up your business those things are still relevant if they're not relevant then that's an opportunity for you to review those goals and change them put new ones in place the same that has to do with yourself so if your previous goals were to create a successful startup or to grow your business and now you're looking at retirement plan or you're looking at work-life balance then that's okay this is the opportunity for you to review where you're at and make those changes to your goals the reason it's important to review your business vision and to review the goals that you have for yourself and for your business is because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And how will you know when you got there? When you're reviewing your goals or if you're setting your goals for the first time, it's important that you, your goals are realistic, that they are measurable as you'll be accountable for them in the future and that you put a a time frame so if we're focusing on the year 2020 what are the goals for your business 2020 realistically what can you achieve and how will you measure that success there is a big difference between a goal a dream and a new year's resolution so if you're like most people you've probably set some new year's resolutions for yourself for 2020 And majority of the people, the statistics show us that within the first few days of a new year, they fail um, and give up on their New Year's resolutions. Some persist till the end of January, but very rarely will you see people by December achieve the New Year's resolutions that they've put in place in the previous year in December. It's more like a wishful thinking. And that's what a wish is. Wish is something where you will sit down and go, um, I wish I was rich. It's it's very it's very vague, and it doesn't have any measures or actionable steps or objectives that you can do in order to get there. On the other hand, a goal is very specific, and a goal is action oriented. So, a good example of a clear, specific, measurable goal for your business could be to increase your business sales. By 20% in 2020. You're stating how much you want to increase, so 20%. You're setting a time frame for the next 12 months and you're stating what that objective is. Therefore, when you get to the end of the year, by the end of December, you'll be able to objectively measure whether you have increased your sales in 2020 by 20%. Also, by having a specific goal like that, it's very easy for you to break it down into a smaller objective, as in what you'll be achieving every single month, what numbers you need to put through every single month in sales in order to hit that target by the end of the year. Once you have set your goals for 2020, you'll do that for your business, you'll you'll do that for your finance, you'll do it for your personal self. The next step is to holistically review your business. And we focused on doing that in episodes 
two and three. So a holistic review of your business looks at where are you now? We know what your goals are, but now let's look at your current situation. What phase is your business at? Are you a startup? Is it a growth phase, maturity? Are you in decline? It's looking at your cash flow. Are you able to predict with certainty your cash position and make good business decisions accordingly? Are your customers paying you on time? If not, do you know why? Do you know what you can do to overcome that? Are you taking advantage of discounts offered by your suppliers? Are you aware of any of your suppliers that might be offering discounts for on-time or early payments? If you're self-employed or a sole trader, small-sized business, you might be very much hands-on with that information and might be able to answer those questions yourself after looking at some reports from your accountants. Otherwise, if you have an internal bookkeeper or internal accountant, if you're more of a medium-sized business, that's a good time to start having that conversation with your accountant. Otherwise, if you work with an external accountant and you're based in Australia, the quarterly bus for December quarter uh, will be due soon. This is a good chance for you to sit down and have those conversations with your accountants, ask them for their input and ask them for their advice of what you can do to improve your cash flow position and where they see, in which lines they see, the room for improvement. The next thing you need to look at when you're reviewing your current business situation is your current staff turnover. Is it high? Is it low? Are you working with seasonal workers? You then also need to look at your product or service. So have you reviewed any complaints or compliments received from customers? Have you had any feedback from your staff members? So it's a lot more than just your gut feeling and your own personal opinion. It's actually doing a research and having a feedback, both positive and negative, from other parties to truly see what their opinion is of your product or service. So are you doing well? Is there anything that can be improved on? If so, what can be improved on? And again, if you're a sole trader or a very small business operator, chances are that you come face to face with the customer complaints, uh, perhaps compliments as well. If you're a bigger size business, you might have a customer service team or a head of customer service engaged. I would encourage you to then book in your meeting with them and check in on the complaints and compliments, any feedback received from the customers in the last 12 months, six months, three months, and how those complaints or compliments have been handled. You can also Google your own company. You can research your company online, check feedbacks on things like your um, social media accounts, your company website, word of mouth. There's quite a few places where your business can be rated and where people can be discussing your business. So it's a good opportunity to, to jump in and have a look. If your business is a larger size and you don't have the time to do it yourself, it's a good opportunity for you to delegate it to your PR or marketing person or one of your customer service managers and then have a follow-up meeting with them and see what they can come back with, what sort of feedback are you getting in relation to your product or service. It's also important as part of reviewing your business that you also look at your competition. So are you aware of what they are doing in relation to their pricing and product or service strategy? Do you know how their level of pricing compares with yours and how the level of service may compare with yours? Are you aware of any special promotions that they may have going on at the moment? Have they introduced any new products or any new uh, services to the list of what they're offering to their customers. If not, you may want to look at your competition, whether that competition is on your local, state, national or international level. It's always a good idea to be aware how you're stacking up on pricing. However, I also encourage you to look a bit deeper than just comparing the pricing. 
as you need to make sure that you're comparing apples with apples and oranges with oranges in relation to quality of product or service or the level of expertise that your competition versus yourself might be providing to your customers or clients. As an example, let's say that you are running a tax service, your tax provider, tax agent. If you simply look at the pricing and you see somebody's offering that service for individual tax return for $69, $59 or $249, there's a very big price gap. Now, if you as a business fall within the same price line, you might think, okay, that's that's fine. I'm charging within the limits. On the other hand, you might think, okay, I'm actually charging $349 for an individual tax return. If, if that's the case, you want to go below behind the pricing. You want to do a deeper analysis and understand what's involved. Sometimes you can get that information directly from your competition's website. Sometimes it's just a matter of phone call yourself or one of your staff members or one of your friends or family. You know, people can call in your competition and ask those inquiries as a potential customer or client. So, hi, how much would you charge for an individual tax return and what's included in that price? You would think it's the same simple task. However, the ones that, for example, start at the lowest end, so $59, $69 tax return, it might mean that it's just a group certificate and expenses, and then they charge additional for any other aspects. So if you have superannuation accounts or shares or dividends, depreciation schedules, sole trader, all that is additional money added in. If you then need to do um, an eight-year audit, that might be charged at additional much higher rate. On the other hand, a tax agent who might charge you $149 for tax return, it could be regardless of how big or small your tax return is, and it might include everything, including the provisions if there was an ATO audit on the account. However, you won't pick up that information from simply just um, looking at the price list on the website or just calling and asking for the cost without asking for the details. Likewise with hairdressers, there are some hair salons that you will go to and say, you know, especially as a female, you might show a picture of a hair style that you want, with hair color you want, and some of them will quote you the full price to say they'll go $300 for you to look like that person or for you to look similar to that person. And other salons might advertise, you know, haircuts starting from 20 bucks and then uh, highlights from $15 for 10 foils. By the time you start adding up all the costs for shampoo, conditioner, in-depth treatment, toner, things that you would assume will be part of the package, that one that might have appeared cheaper could actually end up costing you more in the end. So when you're looking at your competition and you're looking at the pricing, it's also important to understand what is included in the price. The next thing that you want to look at when you're comparing this information is the level of experience. So not all accountants are equal, not all hairdressers are equal, not all mechanics are equal. You have to look at the level of experience and accreditation that the person has versus the price. Naturally, you can expect that if somebody is um, with less years of experience and lower level of expertise, there is more room for them to make errors and therefore they charge you a lower price versus someone that has many years of experience and is seen as an expert in their field. That person can charge you substantially more but it is the value for money. So that's what you need to look at with your competition, whatever industry you're in. If you're looking at comparing on the product, you need to look at comparing the product quality. Where is your competitor's um, product made versus where is your made? How, uh, how is the packaging? What sort of warranty are you guys offering? What sort of quality checks are being performed? Are you using safe and non-toxic materials? Are you using the safety standards that are specific for your country? All this information needs to be compared 
when you're looking at your competition and what it is that they are doing. The next thing to understand is your business costs. Are you on top of your business costs? Do you understand what it takes every month to run your business? You have two types of costs in your business. You have fixed costs of running and operating your business and you have variable costs of running and operating your business. Your fixed costs are there regardless if you make zero sales that month and that's the amount of money that you need to come up with every single month to be able just to sustain your business. Your variable expenses are directly linked to your sales. So an example of a fixed expense would be your salaries and wages. Regardless how much money your business makes, you still have to pay your staff the wages that they are entitled to. Another example would be your cost of rent. You have to pay rent for your premises regardless of whether you've made any money that month or not, whether you've had any sales that month or not. On the other hand, an example of a variable cost would be your cost of freight. So you transporting your products to your customers. That cost will go down when there is less sales and that cost will increase as there is more uh, sales involved. That might be the same for storage. The more products or the variety of products you have, the higher the cost will be for you uh, for storing. You might have more pallets that you're storing. A good way to monitor your business costs is to look at your profit and loss statement every single month. So looking at your expenses, not just looking at your bottom line and whether you are making a profit or loss, but it's also looking at each line item and seeing where your biggest costs are. Once you start doing that, ask yourself, have you done everything you can to control and monitor your business costs without sacrificing on the quality of product or service? A common mistake that many businesses make is they don't really control their costs very well. They look at their bottom line or the profit margins reducing because naturally the cost of business keeps going up. And as such, they simply pass that increase in costs as part of the price increase for their customers to maintain the same profit margins. It's a lazy and inefficient strategy that is employed by way too many accountants and way too many business owners. Now, the reason this is inefficient is because if you're not controlling your business costs and you're not if you're not making sure that you're managing your business expenses very efficiently, you end up in a position where you're pricing yourself out of the market. You're not necessarily offering a better value for money or better quality than your competition, yet you're expecting your customers or clients to stay loyal and simply put up with price increases due to inefficiencies and ineffective financial management of your business. The market in which we operate, it's not a market where there is a blind loyalty. These are tough economic times, both in Australia and globally, and customers are becoming a lot more smarter and a lot more aware of the value for money. And they're seeking out that value for money. They're not afraid to switch from you to the competition if they're seeing continuous rise in pricing and it's not reflected in the quality of service you are offering. So it's very important that you're aware of your business costs and that you monitor them. And when you're looking at cost cutting, when you're looking at good financial management, it's not about sacrificing the quality of your product or service. It's not about switching your manufacturing from Australia to China. It's not about reducing your staff numbers and making sure that that one person from four people in customer service to one person in customer service or outsourcing your customer service to Philippines or India. Again, these are lazy and ineffective ways of 
helping your business. Short term, your bottom line improves. Long term, the quality of your product and service and your business reputation suffers. So the best way for you to monitor those costs, first of all, making sure that you have accounts payable procedures in place. So for monitoring and signing off on your invoices coming in, all of your expenses, all of the bills that have to be paid, you need to have a system in place where someone is verifying that the invoices that have been received, that you um, or somebody in your management that has the authority to do so authorize that cost, that there's a responsibility against the budget line item, that it is from the company that you do know. And there needs to be a procedure where anything where you've been charged more than what the quote was or anything that appears to be unauthorized or from unknown supplier, that those things are questioned and not just put in a system and paid blindly as can be the case in some medium-sized businesses. The second thing is it's reviewing your contracts annually and renegotiating with your suppliers. Quite natural when you start and you start trading at a low volume, you're not offering a lot of value to your supplier, therefore you might be getting no to minimum discount. However, as your business grows and you become more successful, you have more buying power. It is something that every big business utilizes. Coles utilizes their buying power. Woolies um, utilizes their big buying power. And you as a business can utilize your buying power too. It's just a matter of reviewing your contracts every year and renegotiating on those terms. If you can't renegotiate on your terms straight away, it's going out there and comparing with other suppliers seeing where you can get the best deal for your business. Next, have a look at what your pricing strategy actually is. So how do you determine how much to charge for your product or service? We've looked at it also in our episode three and feel free to go and re-listen to it in details and we discussed some pricing strategies mistakes. It's very important for you, if you don't have a pricing strategy in place, that is still a pricing strategy. If you don't know what you're doing or you're simply copying the pricing that your competitors are offering, it's one of the pricing strategies mistakes. Go back to the drawing board, look at your pricing strategy. There's many ways to price your products. Next, we went to our episode four, so we identified the gap. We looked at where your business is now and where you want it to be. So that's going back to the goals that you have set for your business in episode one versus when you assessed your situation in parts two and three. By being very clear and defining your goals of where you want to be in the next 12 months and then reviewing realistically where your business is at from all points of view but financial operational human resources we are now identifying the gap so what needs to happen to get you from where you are in your business today to where you want to be in the next 12 months time. And this is when you need to set realistic objectives and you need to set realistic time frame. So if the gap between where you are and where you want to be is too big, then sometimes you need to evaluate whether that is a realistic objective for you to achieve or whether the time frame of 12 months is realistic. Perhaps you can break it down into a smaller steps and achieve it over a period of two, three or five years as opposed to being unrealistic and setting yourself up for failure by setting that goal to be achieved in 12 months time. We also looked at the need to identify the resources that you now will need to accomplish those goals. The resources include the time required, the money needed, 
staff that you may need to hire, additional staff that you might need to hire, or maybe you might need to do some restructuring within your business based on the skills you have and what your business needs to achieve, as well as looking at the experts and consultants that you may need to work with in order to make your vision and your goals a reality. On that note, some people are too scared to hire experts or consultants believing that the cost is too high. Maybe they heard some stories from other people being burned. Maybe they got burned themselves. I have separate podcasts in relation to how to find the correct business consultant and how to hire the experts So the pre-homework that you need to do to make sure that you don't get burned and that you are working with a person that has the necessary level of skills and experience to help you solve your problem. When you do work with someone that has the necessary levels of skills and experience to help you solve your problem, you can really push your business to the next level. Sometimes people have the mentality that I can, you know, I can learn to do that skill. I can just research it. I can just Google it. I can go on the YouTube. There's all this information available. And to save money, I'll try to do it myself. And that is one of the common and biggest mistakes that you as a business owner can make. Let me explain to you why. First of all, learning a new skill takes time. And it takes effort. You need to research the topic area and then it takes practice. So it's taking you a lot longer and you're making a lot of mistakes along the way. Second of all, finding a reliable source from which you can learn. There is a lot of information out there on social media. There is a lot of information out there on the internet. It does not necessarily mean that everything that you read and everything that you watch is the truth. Anyone can have a YouTube channel, anyone can have a social media account, and anyone can give out their personal opinions about whatever they want. It doesn't necessarily mean that these are facts and that these people are experts and trained to give you the information that will really make a difference in your business. So a lot of time can be wasted. Sometimes even those people will charge you money and a lot of money can be wasted on simply listening to people's opinions and trying things that were never going to work in the first place that any expert would have told you. By the same token, I just want to use an analogy of playing golf for you for a second. Now, imagine for a second that you wanted to... Um, learn how to be a professional golf player. You can go about it by reading books and reading technical knowledge, or you might have an opportunity to hire a top coach. It will cost you a lot more, but which one do you think is going to give you results a lot faster? And it's the same thing with hiring an expert or a consultant. If you hire someone that is truly an expert in their field, they will have the right answers for you straight away. If it's something to do with legal or compliance, they will know the reliable sources they can go to for that information to make sure that you're getting the most accurate and factual information rather than just simply someone's opinions. And they'll be able to show you the fastest, most efficient and the most cost effective path to get you from A to B. So I would definitely say that if you've taken your steps in hiring an expert or a consultant and you've done your homework beforehand to make sure it is the right person for the job and they do have the necessary skills and accreditations, it's one of the best investments that your business can make. Next, when we're looking at identifying that gap, we need to also look at the potential challenges. So there'll be some challenges that you know you'll face this year 
and there are others that will have you will just have to deal with it as it comes along and that's just part of life and it's also part of running every business running a business it's rewarding but it is also challenging so you need to be a re realistic about the possible challenges that you might be facing this year obstacles that might slow down your progress detour your way or stop you from achieving your goals and objectives for this year some of the potential challenges you might identify might be your home situation it might be your health or the health of a loved one it might have to do with the financial investment the injection of funds required into your business to move to the next level whether it is hiring more people spending more money on um, technology business expansions you might have identified some cost and that might be part of your challenge which being able to meet those expenses another challenge you might have identified is your mindset and of course other commitments once you have identified your potential challenges for um for you for this year now it's time to look at ways to overcome them come up with some strategies i generally recommend to my clients to have at least three plans you have your plan a which is your main plan how you want things to go then you have plan b so if things don't go according to plan a what can you do to overcome it and still meet your goals and then ultimately there's plan c which it's not an ideal plan, it's not the best case scenario, but it's the best that you can do with your circumstances at the time. Then in episode five, we had a look at staying ahead of the curve and being proactive versus reactive. And we emphasize the importance of being proactive, staying on top of the latest trends in your industry, as well as understanding the local and global developments and trends such as politics, economics and legal that will impact on your business. We also looked at having a growth mindset and having a proactive mindset. So always asking yourself, how can I do this better? How can I do this faster? How can I do this more efficiently? And also requiring that each and every staff of your members that works for you has the same mindset because there's no person better at deciding how to improve a job than the person that is doing the job hands-on every single day. And remember that the best ideas for your business improvement and for your growth can come from lots of different places. And your staff are the experts in what job they're doing if they've been doing it for a while. They will know what challenges they face every day and they should know what they can do to improve on that. If you don't already have staff with this mindset, make sure that the future staff you hire do have that mindset and instill that culture in your company of continuous growth and improvement. We then looked at the re reviewing your business systems and your processes. So are your processes outdated? Are they designed in the most efficient way possible? You would have put some processes in place when you first started the business and they may have worked very well when it was just you and when you had very few customers. However, not all business processes are efficient and scalable. So if your business have grown and you have hired more staff, are your processes outdated or do they still work very well on a larger scale? If you're now operating from multiple locations, are those processes still as effective? Are all your staff trained properly? And that includes looking at your onboarding process for new employees. What kind of training are they receiving in your company's systems and processes? And are they being given the best opportunity to become your company's biggest fan 
and to become the best version of themselves in the role that they are being hired to do. Next, it's also looking at the cost versus benefit of any systems that you have in place. So your ERP and your accounting systems and testing your original assumptions at the time of implementation versus current. And it's also looking at the systems that are available out there. Technology is moving very fast. Very quickly, we have gone from working in a paper to working in Excel spreadsheets to working in um, PC-based programs to now working in, in cloud systems and, and cloud accounting, uh, cloud ERP systems, etc. So this is an opportunity for you to look at how your systems are working at the moment. And whilst I understand that for a lot of businesses, the cost of implementing new ERP system can be quite expensive, there is also some lower cost um, software available out there for you at a small to medium size business level. And it's understanding that your real cost is the time taken to perform a particular function and the salaries that you might have to pay to staff or the loss of business because you can't take on more customers due to inefficient systems and processes. It's also looking at what can be automated in your business. The technology has come a long way. There's a lot of apps out there. There's a lot of um, products and websites out there that can automate a big part of your uh, customer service or your admin work, other things being utilized effectively. The entry level accounting software, for example, doesn't have to be expensive. Most of my clients work with zero and zero subscription, you're looking at $50 a month. That includes your payroll, that includes your um, accounting software, you can have project management, expense management. It's a great system for small to medium-sized businesses that don't carry inventory. It also allows to bill customers in multiple currencies and connect things like PayPal or SquarePay to automatically account for payments through the transactions. So looking at the annual cost of something like that versus say your staff members doing it manually or putting information through uh, an outdated software that is computer-based rather than cloud-based, you can very quickly see where your dollar savings and your time savings will come in when you do your cost versus benefit analysis. We personally have helped a lot of businesses review the systems in place. Sometimes it, the systems didn't require to be changed. They were quite new and innovative. The problem was that the staff haven't been trained properly in operating the system. And therefore the owners would have spent big dollars on putting a new system in place, but not really seeing the benefits because no one truly understood the full capacity of the system nor was there anyone internally trained properly in utilizing the system. And as such, in that case, that's a waste of money. And we identified an issue of training the staff properly. And then the owners saw a better return on investment on their business system. On the other hand, sometimes people get things that they don't need. It's not uncommon to deal with a software company. They'll come in, they'll do your scope of work and... Uh, as a salesperson, naturally, they will try to sell you the biggest package, their VIP package with all the, um, you know, all the whistles and blows. And you might not need half of that stuff. That's when it's good to get somebody independent, such as um, we offer that services to our clients. So you might have system accountants, you might have business consultants that you work with that might already have an understanding of your particular business, your industry and what is actually required and they can help you to disseminate the information and analyze what is it that your business could really benefit from what is essential components what are on a wish list so if you can afford to spend a little bit more money it would be great to upgrade but it's not essential at this stage and what are the things that are completely redundant to your business that in your particular case, you're unlikely to use at all or for a very long time. 
Next, we looked at the importance of reviewing your policies. So are they in line with the latest law changes? There is example of you know, anti-bullying and harassment um, policies. The maternity leave eligibility changes uh, for stillbirth as an example. So it's important that you have somebody internally or a company that you, you know, a HR company you outsource to and make sure that those policies are reviewed on a regular basis. And right now use this opportunity at the beginning of 2020 to review them and make sure you're across of all the latest changes. In our episode seven, we looked at why the policies are important. Also looked at the recent changes to employment laws. And we looked specifically at some changes that took place in 2019 in the countries in which I operate in and I advise clients in. So we looked at Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, um, UK, USA, Malaysia, and Indonesia. So if your business operates in one of the seven countries, if you're hiring staff in one of the seven countries, or you're thinking about expanding and hiring staff in the seven countries, then I would encourage you to go back and re-listen to episode seven, as it has a lot of details in the 2019 changes. After that, we also had a look at growing your support network, so the importance of your business and personal support network, and just remembering that help is out there. You don't have to do it alone. There are people out there willing and able to help you reach your goals. With your support network, there'll be various spheres you're working with. So your business support network, it will be people, it will be like-minded business people that you meet on with on a regular basis. You might be exchanging referrals to each other, sharing information and um, general knowledge and referring clients or customers to one another. An example we looked at in our episode eight was the BNI network and its international success and why um, it has been as successful as it has been. If you're already a member of a, a business support network or multiple business support networks, this is your time to really review the cost that you have invested into the organization organizations versus the benefit that you have obtained. So when we talk about the cost, there's often a membership cost. There is a cost involved with attending every meeting as well as the cost of time right? Time is money. So how much time have you given to this organization and attending their various functions? Then you need to look at the benefits. So the benefit of the relationships that you have built and how are they benefiting your business? Are they aligned with your business goals? If yes, that's great. That's just confirming that you're on the right track and keeping them in 2020. If not, then this is your opportunity to review what other business groups are available out there and seeking something that is more closely aligned with your goals. So if you found that you've joined a business group and rather than being a business support network, it now turned into a coffee social club, then perhaps it's not serving the business purpose that you initially had in mind. And it's time to review the purpose of the group and whether you should still continue that association in 2020. Moving beyond the sphere of business contacts, we all need our social support network, which would come from your family and from your friends. Not everyone will be supportive of you and your business. Not everyone is a great influence on you and can help you to, to succeed or can support you when you're down or can um, give you a positive input or, or a solution or help in any shape or form. Uh, this is the time for you to review who is in your support network. Are your friends really being helpful? Are you surrounding yourself with toxic people and naysayers? We all know people that whenever we offer a suggestion or idea, we're excited about something, they will always point out the negative. There's nothing wrong with people pointing out the negative as long as they're also offering a solution. 
If somebody's just bringing you down for the sake of bringing you down, that is not a person that you consider your support network. On the other hand, if somebody's discussing with you the potential challenge that you might come across when you're working on your particular idea or your vision, and at the same time they're discussing with you and offering you some solutions to overcome that, then that, would, that person would be considered a good support network person. But then this figures even further. So outside of your business network and your family and friends, there'll be other people that can help you achieve your goals, whether it's the support network that you require for people that would do house cleaning for you or people that would look after your children, whether it's on short notice or on a regular notice, so you can further focus on your goals. People that you rely on that help you with the day-to-day -day tasks so that you can focus on doing what you do best, which is running your business. So have a look at who you currently have in your circles, who you need to add in this year to make your vision a reality. And perhaps this will be a good time to show gratitude to those people that have been there, have supported you along the way. And you are where you are today because of all the help and support that you got from those around you. This might be a good time to show them the gratitude for everything that they've done for you. In episode nine, we looked at the mindset and we looked at the fear of failure as well as fear of success. We also had a look at the two common mood disorders, which is anxiety and depression, how you can identify whether you're suffering from one or one of your loved one is and what you can do about it. And we also further looked at gratitude because honestly, I believe that Gratitude is such an important part in our life that is often too forgotten. With our influence from social media, it seems that everyone is just focused on criticizing one another and there is a lot of negativity in the media, a lot of negative stories uh, of what is going wrong. There's not enough positivity, there's not enough gratitude, there's not enough people saying thank you and appreciating each other and appreciating what they do for each other. So for that reason, gratitude is really big on my books. And I think that it's important for everyone to remember to be grateful for everything that you have in your life, for every support person that you have in your life, and for everything that you were able to achieve, for every opportunity that was presented to you, and for every opportunity that you have been able to take advantage for, I think it's important to stop and just be grateful and acknowledge where you are at today and how much effort you have put in and how far you have come already in your life journey. I have also touched um, base in episode 9 on a warning on life coaches and why personally I would never use one. Uh, you're welcome to go back and revisit episode 9 and to hear my experiences and my thoughts and feedback on that issue. This almost brings us to the conclusion of this final episode from um, the series. Just a few points I wanted to add for you to keep at the back of your mind is that the likelihood of your success increases if... You engage people with the technique where, wherever possible and appropriate. You're clear about the specific challenges, issues, opportunities that are being addressed. That you have a mindset of growth and you question and constantly challenge assumptions, yours and others. So instead of working with assumptions, your success increases when you start working with facts and figures. Your success also increases if you develop a mindset that always looks for ways to learn and improve and that you're ready to confront challenges and problems early on rather than procrastinating or ignoring. That never gets anyone anywhere. It's also understanding and remembering that good ideas can come from anywhere. Also, your success will increase if you follow through. 
be practical and be realistic and always plan your implementation. Remember to also give people praise and credit. You're building relationships and you're building momentum. It's also good for your mental well-being, knowing that you have this positive energy where you're showing that gratitude. Remember to work tirelessly, to remove any constraints, fears and inhibitions. People don't just happen to have successful businesses because they got lucky. Everyone that has achieved a business success has achieved it by working ridiculously hard and making the sacrifices that were necessary at the time in order to accomplish those business goals. So don't be fooled, don't be, dis- don't be illusioned by the post you see on social media with somebody sitting in Bahamas or the Hawaii with a laptop um, on a yacht or somebody blogging about the lifestyle of constantly traveling and having multi-million dollar businesses. Remember that the true success comes from working tirelessly. My, from my personal experience, the harder I worked, the luckier I got. There is no other secret to it. Also learn to balance your intuition and analysis. So you have a gut feeling about things. You, you won't know where you know things from, but you will. Some people call it intuition. Some people call it gut instinct, gut feeling. Whatever you want to refer to it, we all have it. Don't completely disregard it, but balance it with analyzing the data and the figures and facts presented in front of you. The next key to success will be for you to build collaborations and teamwork. So by reviewing the support networks and by focusing on building stronger teams within your organization and with your other business partners, you'll further increase the likelihood of your success. Also, be self-aware and develop the skills that you need to further help you to succeed in your goals. This concludes our um, 10 weekly podcasts. I hope that you have wonderful 2020 and that it's prosperous and successful and that you achieve all the goals that you've set for yourself for this year. If you need help in reviewing your business or um, analyzing your business or help with any of the podcast information that we have discussed, I do offer free discovery sessions that you can book directly online at www.financialgoddess.com.au. You can book your session online and we can get started. If there is a particular part of your business that you want to work with me on, such as your financial side or your policies or reviewing your business and processes, it's the same thing. Feel free to book that initial consultation online. Otherwise, you can also send me an email at margaret.miluti at gmail.com. Whatever you choose to do, I hope that 2020 brings you all the joy and makes all your um, goals a reality. And remember, you deserve the peace of mind that comes from running a profitable and predictable business.